And again, thank you for being here, everybody. And I can tell, you know, obviously this is the 930 service. So I know that all of you who are in here today did not stay up late and watch the Botsy match last night. That crowd will be in next after they, uh, all right, or didn't stay up watching. Hey, by the way, uh, college football got started yesterday. What about that? What about USF? All right, four fans. So, yeah. (laughs) Southeastern University. All right, better response. Uh, Florida Gators. They didn't play yet. Georgia Bulldogs. All right, these are special, but they didn't play yet either. Uh, So, uh, but kidding aside, it's just great having all of you. And I'm going to ask you to be very, very attentive. Uh, You know, I feel like I'm like the most blessed pastor in the whole world. Some of the greatest people I've ever known, ever met, are the people that are seated right here. And I'm going to ask you to just keep your heart open to God. We're talking about in this series, don't lose heart. And I'm telling you, friends, there's all kind of pressure that wants to cause you to lose heart. See, life is tough. We've been talking about that in this series. You're going to face, I hate to tell you this, but it's just so true, that as long as you exist in this world, you're going to face problems and and some pain and some pressures. There's just no other way to get around it. But in the midst of that, what we've been declaring to you, and and you've got to know this, is in the midst of all of the challenges, you don't have to give up. You're not going to be defeated. You may feel discouraged from time to time, but but God is not going to allow you to remain down on the mat. You're going to get up again, and you don't have to lose heart. And I want to talk to you. This is so important. And this is the third week in this series, uh, Don't Lose Heart. And and this is so important. And I'm going to approach it from an angle this morning that you probably don't expect. But if you will listen, you know, and just hear what what God's word says, and I'm going to try to communicate that to you to the best of my ability. But if you'll listen to that, here's what's going to happen. It will help you to not lose heart. And this is the way it's going to happen. This is the way the Bible says it will happen. See, what I'm going to share with you today is going to help you. But it reaches beyond that. What it's going to do is it's going to help you because it's going to show you straight out of the scriptures how that you can help other people. Now, you see, one huge way, and this is so important, and a lot of times our minds do not go in this direction, but one huge way to keep you from losing heart is for you and I to redefine our understanding of what does it mean to love and to serve and to help other people. Now, let me tell you what is problematic. It it works like this. If you make you, all right, you with me? Wave your hand. I can see you, all right? If you, I know the coffee drinkers, those who raise, you know, wave, all right? Some of you need one more cup. You can slip out, grab that if you need to. But um, if you make you your constant priority, then let me just say this. You're going to live a pretty miserable life. You, you just will. You're going to reach stages in your life when you're going to feel very sad and you're going to feel very lonely. Why? Because what you're consumed with most is you. And the function of how our life works never works uh, healthy and, and balanced and productively in that regard. Now, in this series, we've been talking about it, uh, the challenges that we're going to face. And one of the best things that we can do to keep our challenges and our pressures and our problems from defeating us is to become a, and this is what we're going to talk about, a faithful person. 
What does it mean to be a faithful person? A faithful person is able to keep the pressure and the pain and the problems at bay. Uh, A faithful person will not lose heart. A faithful person is someone, listen now, who wants to honor God, first of all, and wants to help other people. And that's exactly what we're going to examine this morning. What does it mean to be a faithful person? And if you are keeping the faith, what does it really look like to keep the faith? But before we land there, I want to mention just a few things straight out of God's word that it tells us about faithfulness or being a faithful person. And then we're going to get to some things that I think are going to be practical. And I think that they're going to be uh, obtainable. And and I think that uh, you'll step into these, or at least I'm praying that you will. But let me just deal with on sort of the front side of that, uh, some things that the Bible says about being a faithful person or keeping the faith. Uh, All of us need to clearly understand that being faithful really matters a lot to God. In fact, when Jesus comes back to this earth again, which the Bible says he will, it's called like um, a, a rapture when he'll come back. You may not find that exact word rapture in the Bible, but it says that Jesus is coming back to the world. He will do that again. And the Bible says that when he comes back, he is going to be looking for people that have kept the faith. Look at this verse up on the screen. This is Luke 18, 8, and look at it with me. This is what it says. When the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, when he returns, how many on earth will he find on the earth who have faith? When Jesus comes back, Jesus is going to be looking for those of us who have kept the faith. Now, if Jesus, when he uh, comes back, is going to be doing that, what does that mean in the meantime? Does Does it mean that what is going on right here and now he is unaware of, or that faithfulness is overlooked, and that one day when Jesus comes back, which again he will, at that point he's going to see who's been faithful and who's not been faithful, all right? But he's not going to wait. He has clear understanding of that even now. So how do we know this? Uh, This is not on the screen, but I want you to just listen to this verse. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says this, The Lord is constantly watching everyone. Do you know that? The Lord is constantly watching everyone, and he gives strength to those who faithfully obey him. So when he comes back, he's going to look for those who have kept the faith. But in the meantime, even now, he's watching all of us to see if we are being faithful. Are we faithfully obeying him? Now, here's another reality straight out of the Bible about keeping the faith or being a faithful person, and that is people who actually trust God completely, people who are faithful the way that God really wants us to be, according to the Bible, are actually quite hard to find, not easy to find people that totally trust God. It's not easy to find people that are totally faithful to God. It's not easy to find people who who are keeping the faith. How do we know this? I want you to read this verse with me. Everybody, the guys are going to put it up on the screen. Let's all read it together. You ready? Here we go. Everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is, but just try to find someone who really is. How many of you know that what you say and what you do are not always uh, congruent? They don't always match up. You and I can say anything. You know, I can stand before you today and just say, you know what? I'm a brain surgeon. But I don't think any of you want me working on your brain. You don't. Now, I I could stand up here and say to you today, you know, some college football game started yesterday, 
but there's going to be a lot of games. Uh, practically all teams are going to be playing six days from now on Saturday. I could stand up here and say to you that on Saturday, when Georgia starts their season against Appalachian State, that I'm going to be the starting quarterback for the University of Georgia. And some of you would believe that because of my gigantic size and my huge skill level. Some of you would you'd say, all right, I, yeah, I believe you. But, but most of you, like 99.9% of you would say, I would never believe it unless I see it. And you ought to say that. If I say, and if you say, we trust God. If you say, and I say, we're a follower of Jesus, then how many of you know there ought to be some clear evidence that points to that? If we say, I'm faithful then our faithfulness, I'm committed to God, then that ought to show up. Now, here's another truth that we need to keep in mind before we dive into some real practical realities, and that is our ability to experience sustainability and victory in this broken, messed up world is strongly connected to our faith in Jesus. Let me say that again. We need to keep this in mind. Our ability to, to experience sustainability and victory in this broken, messed up, dark world is strongly connected to our faith in Jesus. Now, how do we know this? Let me just read a couple of verses to you. This is out of 1 John. Listen carefully. 1 John 5, 4 and 5 says this, every child of God can defeat the world. How many of you know that's good news? It's a tough world, but every child of God can defeat the world. This is what the Bible is saying, and our faith is what gives us the victory. How are you, how are you and I going to be able to defeat the world? Uh, we're going to be able to do it because of our faith. It's not going to be because we're smart enough, skilled enough, great enough. It's going to be because of our faith. In fact, the next verse goes on to say this, no one can defeat the world without having faith in Jesus as the Son of God. Now, one other thing, and I'll just touch on this one before we really dive in, and that is, does God reward faithfulness? Does God bless people that are faithful? You better believe it. You better believe it. He most certainly does. Look at Proverbs 28, verse 20. This is what it says. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful man or a faithful person will be what? What's those two words? Richly blessed. A faithful person, if you just say, you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to be a faithful person. I know that when Jesus comes back, he's going to look to see if there's any who have faith on the earth. I know that Jesus is looking for faithful people. Then if you choose to be really a faithful person, not just saying you're faithful, not just saying that you totally trust God, but if you totally trust God and you keep the faith, the Bible says that you're going to be richly blessed by God. See, God is not going to bless you and me just because we're nice people. How many of you know that? God is not going to look at us and say, well, guess what? Morally speaking, you're better than average, so I'm going to bless you. You know, compared to the rest of, you know, the criminals in the whole world, uh, you're, you're a pretty good guy. You're a pretty good gal, and just based on that, I think I'm going to bless your life. God has no moral obligation to bless us, and we should never pride on ourselves by saying, well, you know what? I'm really not that good, but at least I'm better than so-and-so. God is not looking to bless that. God wants to bless faithfulness. And none of us, it's so important for you and I to realize, none of us are going to drift into commitment and faithfulness. You just never will. I never will. If you and I go into drift, we, we drift to levels of being uncommitted to God, not being committed. If you and I just go into drift, we just sort of go with the tide. How many of you know it's not going to lead us toward greater measures, measures of faithfulness it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause us to drift into a lack of faithfulness. 
So here's what I want to do. I want to give you three really practical things in the time that we have remaining that if you will do this, because all of this has an orientation toward helping other people. Instead of just saying, you know what, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to lose heart. I live in a tough world, therefore I'm going to take care of me. If nobody's taking care of me, then I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to look after me. And you know what, if that is your mentality, if that is the practice, if that is the course that you take in your life, again, I'm just warning you on the front end, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be lonely. You're going to disconnect from people because people's going to realize that you are about you and that, and that you're selfish and you're, uh, you're me-centric. And, and people are not attracted to that. And it's not going to be the rewarding, fulfilling, exciting, joyful, peaceful life that God intended for us. So how do you and I uh, keep ourselves from losing heart. It's really become outwardly focused. So I want to give you three things, and you may want to write them down. In fact, I hope that you will on your tablet, your phone, um, you know, your arm, if you've got a Sharpie marker, or whatever you need to do. All right, here we go. Number one, faithful people use, for God, by the way, faithful people use their talents, gifts, and abilities. Faithful people will do that. Please hear me on this. You are never going to experience the highest levels of joy and fulfillment in your life until you become an outwardly focused person, until you make it a priority to minister to the needs of other people. You see, many of us may need to shift our thinking in this regard. What we may need to do is realize, and, and I, I know that we just sort of fall into this trap, that, that it's so easy to fall into this place where, you know what I am? I am a recipient of ministry. And, and in one regard, I want you to be that. I'm so passionate about this. The rest of the team will tell you that, that when you come uh, and you're here in church with us, I want you to be a recipient of some great ministry. I want you to enjoy the worship. First of all, I want God to be pleased with the worship, and I believe that he is. I want the worship to inspire you. I want it to motivate you to give God the worship and the praise and the adoration that we probably have been too busy during the week to rightfully give to God what he deserves. I hope that when I stand up and I give talks to you from the Bible, that you feel fed spiritually, that you feel encouraged, that you feel motivated, that you leave here saying, I'm so glad I came to church today because God had a word for me and I needed to hear that today. But listen, friends, please hear me on this. It goes way beyond you and I just being recipients of ministry. God wants that to occur in our life. But God also wants every one of us to be a deliverer of ministry. See, you're not just to soak it up and just say, wow, I got what I needed, you know, and, and I'm not going to give out anything. I'm just going to keep soaking it up. I'm just going to keep absorbing it. You know, it's about me, and I'm just going to keep receiving, 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 receiving. Receiving is important, but how many of you know eventually you've got to do something with what you received? And you've got to do something. You've got to be not just a recipient of ministry, but a deliverer of ministry. This is what faithful people do. They use, for God, their talents. They use their gifts. They use their abilities. And that's what faithful people do. And, and do you realize that there is no one in this world that is exactly like you? And be careful because people around you who know you may say, thank God, I'm so, uh, I'm so glad of that. But uh, nobody's just like you, not just in regards to your DNA, but every, uh, every person has a certain combination of talents and gifts and abilities. And let me just state it as plainly as I can. If you are not using, and all of you have them, 
You have talents. You have abilities. You have gifts that God has given to you. If you are not using them based on the design that God has deposited into your life, those gifts are not going to be used. See, God's got, a, God's got an intended purpose for your life because, again, you're not just a recipient of ministry. As God views it, you're a deliverer of ministry, and there are certain things that are never going to be accomplished here on earth if you don't do what God has gifted you to do, the talents that he's given you, the abilities to do. And I want to just ask you, not what are you planning to do someday, but what are you, con- what are you uh, currently doing in your life right now to advance the kingdom of God? Well, Jeff, I, I, would, I, would, I would do things. I would use my gifts. I'd use my talents. I would use my abilities. I would do those things for God because I believe they're gifts from God into my life. I would do those things, but I'm too busy. So is everybody else. Well, I, I would use them, but I'm too tired. The world is run by tired people, by the way. Do you know this? Well, I, I feel too inferior. I'm too inexperienced. I'm too intimidated. I'm too imperfect. And you know what the fact of the matter is? We don't really believe that deep down. We just make excuses as to why we're not going to use what God has deposited into our life. And again, it goes back. How many of you know this about human nature? We will. Trust me in this. Trust me. We will always find the time to do the things that we really want to do. How many of you know that's true? Wave at me if you know that. Jeff, can you do that? No, I am so, you have no idea. You have no idea how busy my life, no, I can't, no, are you kidding me? Next day, Jeff, can, can you play 18 holes of golf? Of course I can. Can you come over to the house and watch a football? Well, sure I can. What do we do? We all make, am I telling you the truth? We all make the time to do the things that we really want to do. And a lot of the times, the reality is, we just, we don't want to do with what God has given us to us, what God wants us to do. Look at 1 Peter 4.10. It says this, each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? To serve others faithfully. There's that word again, faithful people, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, some of you are thinking, and, and, and you're just so candid, you're so innocent, uh, you're so honest in this regard, you'd say, you know what, Jeff, I, I, I believe what you're telling me uh, is true. I believe what the Bible is saying about that I have gifts and talents and abilities from God. I believe that's true, but I just don't know what to do with that. What, what do I do? How do I use them? How do I serve people? Because I don't want to end up, I don't want to end up a sad person, a miserable person, a lonely person because I've spent my life only being focused on me. I know that my life is going to be productive. I know it helps me to keep from losing heart. If I focus out beyond myself, if I had an outward focus, well, then what do I do? And, and here's, and I'm sincere when I say this. If you say, I want to use the gifts, the talents, and abilities that God has given to me to advance the kingdom of God, but I'm just not sure how to do that then here's what I want you to do. Email me this week, and I'm not kidding. If you say, I don't know what to do with my gifts. I don't know what to do with my talents. I don't know what to do with my abilities. Then, then you do this. Uh, you email me this week, and, and based on if a lot of people respond to that, it may take me a little bit of time to get to you, but I will save that. I will get to you because I want to help you because it will bring a level of joy and fulfillment to your life unlike you've ever experienced if you're just not doing anything for anybody but you or, or your immediate family or your few close friends. 
you got to find a way. It's just the way that God wired us up to, uh, to serve and to love and to help other people. And it keeps you from uh, losing heart. So here's my, you're thinking, all right, well, then give me your email address. Here it is, jsellers, S-E-L-L-E-R-S, at victorylakeland.org. And if you're serious about it, I'm serious about it. And if you say, I want to use it because I believe that God has given me gifts, talents, and abilities, but I don't know what to do with it, then, then you e- email me. And you be patient. I promise. Even if it takes me a little while, because of the, I will get back to you. I will get back to you. Now, before I move on, let me mention this. Why doesn't God, you ever think about this? Why doesn't God just take us to heaven immediately after he created us? Are any of you convinced that heaven's going to be a lot better than all the junk we go through down here on earth? then why wouldn't God just create us, listen, save us, and take us straight to heaven? And I'll tell you why. Here it is. You maybe wondered about this for a long, long time, but I'm going to give you the answer now. Are you ready for it? Are you? Because life is a test and life is a trust. To see if you will do what God wants you to do with what God has deposited himself into your life. All right? Why doesn't God just meet? Because it's a test. It's a trust. How do we know this? Look on the screen. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says this. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust, and that's all of us, must prove what? Faithful. There it is again. Why did God leave you here? Why did God leave me here? Because it's a test and it's a trust, and God has given to all of us a functional responsibility and life, and God is watching. I don't mean that, you know, like somebody trying to put you on a guilt trip because that's not what I do. It's not who I am. I don't like that. I don't like people doing it to me. I don't like doing it to others. But the fact of the matter is God is looking at you and me to see what we will do with what he's invested into us, and it is a test. It is a trust, and if we do what God wants us to do, God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless your life unlike you can imagine. Well, Pastor Jeff, I don't know what to do with what God's given Get with us, and we'll help you. All right, let me move on. Second one, I want to deal with this for a few moments. Number two, faithful people bring their friends to Jesus. Faithful people will bring their friends to Jesus. Be sure you get this now. Faithful people will share their faith. Faithful people will share their faith. Faithful people determine to bring their friends to Jesus. And there's a remarkable example of this found in Matthew chapter 9. You can look at it later. I'm just going to read a couple of verses quickly. But there's this group of guys and their friends, and they realize that for one of their friends, that the most loving, compassionate thing that they could do is to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus. Let me read to you briefly out of Matthew 9 in verse 2. It says, some people brought to Jesus a man who was paralyzed and lying on a mat, one of their friends. When Jesus saw, this is interesting, go back and check this out later. When Jesus saw the faith of these people, meaning his friends, when Jesus saw the faith of his friends, he said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, young man, your sins are forgiven. What is unique about this, and you need to check it out, Jesus does not look at this young man and say, according to your faith, I'm going to heal you. You know what he says? According to the faith of your friends, I'm going to heal you. According to the faith of your friends, I'm going to heal you. And Jesus does exactly that. In fact, if you look just four verses later, it says, Jesus says to him, stand up, take your mat, go home. And he does exactly that. Now, why do I want to share that story with you? Because every one of us have paralyzed friends in some regard in their life, and they need to be brought to Jesus. They may not be paralyzed as this friend was with, with, um, with physical uh, challenges, but every one of us have friends that are paralyzed by something. 
You've got friends that are paralyzed by fear or by doubt or by guilt or by worry or by shame or by addictions. And if we have enough faith, I want you to hear this now, if we have enough faith to bring our friends to Jesus, he certainly has enough forgiveness and power to save them. You think about that. We just got to find ways to get them to Jesus. And I so love this about Jesus. He will not only save the person who is brought to him, he will also bless the faithful person who brings them. And so here's what we do. We say, Jesus, you know, use me. Again, it's making ourselves available. It's just not me. All right, I'm right with God. I'm ready for heaven. That's good enough for me. No, God's going to hold us accountable for how faithful people share their faith. How faithful people, what do faithful people do about bringing their, their friends to Jesus? And we're going to be evaluated by that. And if we do what God wants us to do, we're going to be extraordinarily blessed by God. I want you to listen to something stirring and sobering that Bill Hybels and Mark Middleberg have written in one of their books. Listen to it. I brought it along with me. They write, can we just come out and say it? Far too many Christians have been anesthetized into thinking that if they simply live out their faith in an open and consistent fashion, the people around them will see it, want it, and somehow figure out how to get it for themselves. Or they reason that maybe these people will come and ask them what, it, what makes their life so special. And when they do, they'll seize the opportunity and explain it to them. But let's be honest, that almost never happens. What, what, while it's a prerequisite to live a salty or Christ-like Christian life, to be highly potent and in relationship with others, that alone, they write, is not enough, and it is true. God forbid that we should stop there because people end up in hell on that plan. It's imperative that we also put the message into clear language our friends can understand and can act upon. A little while later in the book, they, they made this statement, and the guy's I'm going to put it up on the screen. There's nothing in life, and this is so true, that's as exciting as befriending, loving, and leading wayward people toward faith in Christ. You think you've experienced something that is exhilarating? I can assure you, friend, there is nothing any more fulfilling and joyful than for you to introduce somebody to Jesus and have their life changed on earth, but to know all at the same time their eternity is going to be changed forever. Think about it. Greg Laurie is one of my favorite Christian leaders. He's out on the West Coast. I had a chance. I was out in California. I was there recently, but a number of years ago, and I found out that Greg Laurie was going to be speaking at a church close by. So I, I left the hotel, drove to the church, sat there, and uh, I was already familiar with him. But I read a book of his not too long ago, and in that book, this is what he said. I want you to listen to it. He said, the first time I led faith, uh, someone to Jesus Christ, I did not expect the gospel to work. He said, not through my mouth anyway. He said, my only plan was to fail. He said, I was two weeks old in my commitment to Christ. I didn't know much about Christian living and the Bible, but I heard that I should go and share the good news with others. So one day I went down to the beach, the same beach where I uh, used to make it a point to avoid any Bible-toting Christians who might want to witness to me. Now, here I was, a bona fide, I like what he says here, a bona fide member of the soul patrol out prowling for unbelievers to convert. He said, but I wasn't exactly full of confidence. My main goal was to find someone who wouldn't argue or get angry at me. I thought if an unbeliever just ignored me or walked away, that would be fine. He said, eventually I spotted a lady who looked about the age of my mom I uh, imagined that she might be sympathetic to me. When I walked up to her, my voice was shaking. I said, excuse me, but can I talk to you or something? She said, sure. 
What about? Uh, about like God and stuff. He said, remember, I was a teenager. She said, all right, go ahead, sit down, talk to me. So I pulled out a copy, an evangelistic track I'd stuffed in my pocket for a moment just like this. Since I could not remember exactly what was in there, I read the entire booklet verbatim. The whole time I read, I was shaking like a leaf and thinking, this isn't going to work. Why am I doing this? This is not how I'm going to reach her. But the woman didn't leave. When I got to a part that said, is there any good reason why you should not accept Jesus Christ right now? I realized that I should direct this question to the woman. I hesitated, feeling awkward. I looked up and asked her, is, is there? She said, no. Okay, I said, slightly confused then. <laughs> then that would mean you would like to accept Jesus Christ right now. She said, yes, I would. I was so shocked that for a moment I didn't know what to do. I would planned only for failure. Frantically, I searched the trap for some kind of prayer to lead her in. Finding one, I said in the most reverent tone I could summon, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. <laughs> but even as, she, even as she prayed after me, I was still thinking this is not going to work. After we were done, the woman looked up and said, something just happened to me. Something just happened to me. He said, and at that moment, something happened to me too. I got a taste of what it was like to be used by God. I had completely underestimated the power of the gospel, but I determined that from that point on, no matter what else I did with my life, I wanted to share my faith with other people. What do faithful people do? Faithful people bring their friends to Jesus. They do. Thirdly, lastly, faithful people will encourage the faith of others. I don't have long to talk about this. I can do it in six minutes because that is all I've got. But this is called discipleship. To make disciples basically means this, to show others how to obey what Jesus taught us. To show others what Jesus taught us. To teach them to obey. Now, the reason I want to mention this, and I don't have long to talk about it, a lot of times we think, well, if I bring my friends to Jesus and, and they become a Christian, they become uh, an authentic follower of Jesus, job done. But the reality is, in some respects, the job is just getting started. It does not end when we bring people to Jesus. We need to also help them to get on their feet spiritually because they're babies in Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.2, you see this on the screen. It says, Paul writes, he said, Take the teachings that you heard me proclaim in the presence of many witnesses and entrust them to reliable. In other words, we know for reliable would be faithful people who will be able to teach others also. If you think about it, for probably practically all of you here today, there was somebody that God used in your life. I know there was for mine, and I know so many of you, your story now, God used somebody instrumentally in your life to bring you to faith. Somebody brought their friend, you, to Jesus, and your life will be forever changed. According to what Paul is saying here to Timothy, he said, Timothy, here's what I, here, here's what I want you to know. I invested in you, and then I want you to now go and invest your life in somebody else. And then Paul is saying, because he takes it out, yet another generation, four generations of people, and he says, here's what I want. I invested in you. I want you to invest in somebody else. And Timothy, if you do that correctly, here's what's probably going to happen. They will, they will invest in somebody else. And the process of discipleship goes on and on and on. Did you know that everybody needs a Paul in their life? Everybody needs a Timothy. You need that. I need that. 
You young ladies, you need an older lady in your life. I mean, I, I just think back, and fortunately, I had great influences in my life when I became a Christian. I was 15 years of age when I became a, a follower of Jesus, and I had good people in my life who influenced me. But some of you, you, you think back, man, I wish, I wish I'd had somebody pouring into my life. I wish that I had somebody that was meeting with me, somebody that was helping me, somebody that was explaining things to me out of the Bible, somebody that was praying with me about uh, my problems, somebody that I could talk to about the challenges that I face. You know what? The reality is you can be that for somebody else. And everybody needs a Paul. See, those of you who are younger, you need somebody that is older than you. You need somebody that is more spiritually mature uh, speaking into your life because all of us need that. And now you take a guy my age, whatever that is. And you take a guy my age. I'm not too old for somebody to be speaking into my life. In fact, I need to this day, and I've been a Christian for a long time. I need people speaking in, into my life still today, and I always will. And so I need a Paul-like person. You need a Paul-like person, but listen, you also need a Timothy. You need somebody that you're pouring your life into them. You see, you're not taking a, a, spiritual, a spiritually superior position. You're just saying, here's somebody, look, and you do it humbly, and you do it with a servant's heart, and that's what we're talking about, being outward focused. Not just being the recipient of ministry, but being the deliverer of ministry. And you say, you know what? Here's somebody that is younger than me and somebody that has not known Jesus as long as I have. And you know what God could use me to do? God could use me to pour into their lives. God could use me. Somebody, it could work as simple, as simply as this. We're getting ready. I told you about all these small groups. I think everybody ought to be involved in a small group. And you may meet somebody. You're not going to feel an immediate connection. I, I know a lot of, I know I have a lot of acquaintances, lots of acquaintances. I know a lot of people, but I have a much, much smaller, tighter group of friends. And that's how we all are. And you're not going to, you know, resonate with every person in your small group. That's impossible. But hopefully what will happen, you'll really connect with somebody. And that may be somebody that you could just go to lunch with or breakfast with once a month. And you could talk about spiritual matters. And if they're a Paul, they could speak into your life. If they're a Timothy, you could speak into their life. But everybody needs somebody like that. Back to Greg Laurie again. Look at what he says on the, on the screen. He said, the truths that God gives are designed to be passed on. And when we give away what God has given to us, it actually replenishes our spiritual supply. I want to share with you just two other verses and we're done. Because I know what happens in a moment like this. I've been at this long enough to know. Some of you would say, well, you know what? I would do that, but there's no way that God could use somebody like me. Jeff, I've messed up. If you knew my story. If you knew the mistakes I've made, if you knew the sins I've committed, if you know that I, how I failed God, how I failed myself, how I've disappointed myself, if you knew me, you wouldn't be standing up there today so, so confidently saying that God could use me. Here's how I know that God can use you, and here's how I know that God can use me. This guy in the Bible, they called him Simon. Jesus changed his name, and and he's known also as the Apostle Peter, and he's powerfully used by God. But he is also, before he was so powerfully used by God, I want you to think about this, he is known, according to the Bible, it doesn't use this language, but he was the most, most notorious failure in the church. And you say, how do you know that? 
because he denied that he even knew Jesus. See, there's times in our life when we disappoint and disobey Jesus, but I, I doubt that you've denied Jesus, but Peter did. And, and think about this. Peter was personally discipled by Jesus for 36 months or thereabouts. And then when the pressure was on, he denied that he even knew him. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at these two verses. And when you see them, you're going to know that God can use you. This is Jesus speaking to him. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have you, to sift you like wheat, to destroy you. He said, but I pleaded in prayer for you that your faith should not completely fail. Now, Jesus already knew when he said this that Peter was going to make, that he was going to become the greatest failure ever in the life of the church. So when, Jesus follows that up, so when you have repented and turned to me again, because Jesus knew that he was going to deny him. Jesus knew what a miserable failure that Peter was going to become, but he also knew that he was going to repent, and he was going to come back to God. And then he said, when you do, here's what I want you to do. I want you to strengthen and build up the faith of your brothers. In other words, even though you're about to make a huge mistake in your life, I see the future, you may not, and when you cycle back around, I'm going to use your life. I'm going to use you. And God did. And he became like the rock uh, of the early church. Spoke on the day of Pentecost and over 3,000 people. In, in one talk, over 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus. And this is a guy that was the most miserable. If God could use him, if God could use people like Paul and so many others that are found in the Bible, then here's the confidence that you and I can have. God can use people just like us. Would you stand for a closing prayer? Just, just right there where you're at this morning, would you just make yourself available to God? Would you say, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not just going to focus on myself. I'm not going to make me my priority. I know that if I'm going to fight off all of the pain and the pressures and problems that are in this world, I'm going to have to just quit being so so focused and riveted on just me and protecting me and caring for me. I want to care for other people. I want to use God for you, my talents and my gifts and my abilities. I, I know people in my life, God, I've got friends that are paralyzed by fears and doubts and, and anxiousness and skepticism and, and addictions and guilt and shame. And I want to bring them to you. Lord, I pray that you would use us to encourage the faith of other people, that all of us would be a part of a small group this semester, that all of us would find a, a Paul that could speak into our life and help us, that all of us would find a Timothy, that every lady in this church would have an older lady speaking into her life, that she would have a younger lady that she's discipling, that every guy in this church would have an older man speaking into his life and a younger man, a newer Christian, that they could disciple. And I pray that you would help us. We're so serious about this, God. We're not playing a game. We've got one life. We get one chance. And we want to make a difference with it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I love you. Have an awesome week. See you next Sunday.